Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Solid 60. It is now the 3rd of April 2019 and it's quite late. It's 11.30 in the evening and I just thought I'd better get this out otherwise I'll never do it. All the drama about rent has been... Well, I'm still in the dark. I texted the landlord and uh, didn't hear back so hopefully no news is good news so we'll see what happens next week. Uh, things will get worse before they get better but fingers crossed glass half full and all that still don't have enough money to actually do anything about it i've just got to enjoy the ride for now what i am going to do is talk about a movie that i recently saw called us and it was a good time put it bluntly it was very confusing it was very masterfully made the acting was on point everything about it actually was just perfect except for the fact that according to jeremy Jones. I got to admit, I had to go to both his reviews, including them on the spoilers, to kind of make sense of the movie. It was one of those movies where you walk out, and unless you're some kind of genius, or maybe just a completely well-adjusted, normal adult of average intelligence, unless you're one of those people, it's a fucking mess. Like, I'm just... You get the obvious stuff where they're being hunted, and then they're going to survive by killing their doubles it's the whole beyond that the logistics of how it all came to be very hard to follow how did they have children is the main one that looked just like their children it's very confusing and they so he's gone for the old Outer Limits Twilight Zone style of it being this is by he I mean Jordan Peele in his second big hit and it has made a lot of money and there's the cat jump at least he's not using the keyboard there's a little bridge between the couch and the coffee table slowly training him not to do that because uh, every time he does of course he ends up typing out half the alphabet into whatever comment thread i'm in found flicks up there i watched that's a youtube channel that's not bad his energy is solid but his voice is a little off for me worked for a lot of people clearly tons of subscribers but for me yeah i'm more of a jeremy Jones guy and there was one before this that i watched uh, everything you missed in us plus twist ending explained which i think is a bit of a spoiler in itself just having that thumbnail theory explained twist explained there's a lot of them gives away that there is a twist and then you're watching the movie expecting the twist which cleverly it kind of gives you straight away like right in the beginning warning here it is full of spoilers you can't really talk about this movie in depth without a ton of spoilers so uh, warning you now if you haven't seen it just uh, come back later and this is more of a rather than a review though I will give my thoughts on it more of an analysis of what happened which you know it's not going to be the best one you're going to see if you want to get a an analysis that makes sense go what flicks in the city their youtube channel they've got it it's a english woman that reads out her take on it and it's a bit She's clearly written down a bunch of stuff that occurred to her and is just reading it off. It, it doesn't really flow that well, but she does bring up a lot of details. And that's all this movie is about. Jordan Peele is a old school traditionalist in the sense and, and references movies from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, thriller is used a lot in this film, the Michael Jackson music video. Not just visual references such as the glove and the red jumpsuit but the fact that they switch the character in the in the end when you she i haven't seen the video in a long time but essentially the story from the video clip for the song thriller 
does kind of give away the ending for the movie. And so do so many other things. Every scene essentially has something in the background or there's something about the song playing or what the characters are saying that basically gives away the twist or talks about the, the larger themes in the movie. And I could go and list them and I'm sure I will when I get to trivia and there's going to be a bunch in there. That's just to give you the overview. I'm a little tired so forgive me. I think my last recording might have been a little manic. This might be the other way at the other end of the spectrum. But hopefully it doesn't. I don't put you to sleep. Let's go to the trivia for now. And then once we do it, hopefully I'll have time to do a little bit of it. Add some articles out there, but not too many. Don't want to make it banana split length. And that should be coming up soon. I'll have to talk to the guys. And There's 60 items, so there's actually a fair bit there. But they're nice and short, so let's get into it. Jordan Peele gave the cast 10 horror films to watch so they would have a shared language when filming. So every time I hear something more about this guy, I fall in love with him a little bit more. It's just... Everything he does is perfect. I'm yet to hear <laughs> anything where I'm like, oh, I don't know, it's a bit weird. So those films were Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. I've seen a lot of those. Not really seen The Birds or A Tale of Two Swiss Sisters, Dead Again, or Funny... What's it called? Funny Games. Apparently there's a lot of similarities. Uh, there was another review that I saw where that, this movie was referenced a lot. If I go to that, it's 7.6 out of 10. There must be a synopsis storyline. Two young men who call each other Paul and Peter, among other names, approach a family on vacation. They are apparently friends of the neighbours. And at the beginning, their true intentions are not known, but soon the family is imprisoned and tortured in its own house, which the viewers are forced mostly to imagine and to share a certain complicity with the criminals. It might be some kind of game, the lives of husband wife son and dog but why are they doing it i can see some similarities already just from that director jordan peele provides another voice cameo as the funhouse narrator the wilson's doppelgangers first appear on their driveway in the same order as the stick family decal on the back of their car jesus and that also references the hands across america theme the Bible verse that continuously appears in the film, uh, Jeremiah 11.11, 11, um, and they use 11.11 11 for a lot of reasons. Apparently the one looks a lot like the one. You could double up any number, but the verse works really well because it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Which is fairly on point for this movie. There's a lot of evil and there's not really much anyone can do about it unless you're badasses like this family who does a fairly good job of staying alive even though the guy that you would think would be the most formidable Mbaku or rather he kind of ends up looking more like Jordan Peele in this movie not really good at self-defense it takes a lot of luck and a lot of just kind of rising up at the last minute to pull himself out of it which I kind of saw coming but still it was really painful to watch uh, like the Lost Boys, several key scenes take place on the Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk. This is even referenced when Adelaide's mother says, you know, they're shooting a movie over there by the carousel. So that's 1986 when they actually shot Lost Boys, which they mention is being shot. That's really cool. The words Get Out, which was the title of Jordan Peele's previous film, can be seen carved into the sides of the entrance of the Hall of Mirrors. Ah. And at one point, the Jordan Peele-looking character 
I can't remember his name, but he's going to be in a lot of movies, hopefully, because he's really good. Um, Baku, we're going to go with for now. He does say Get Out. Lupita Nyong'o, amazing actress, based Red's voice on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and specifically the spasmodic dysphonia he suffers from. She choked the original, which also explains the raspy voice, but so it's being choked and not being able to really have anyone to talk to for, I don't know, what is it, 25 years? In addition to Jeremiah 11.11 being seen written on a sign twice, the number 11.11 appears frequently. When Gabe is watching a baseball game, the announcer says the game is tied at 11.11. When Addie and Jason are talking in his room, the digital clock reads 11.11. A carnival worker and one of the twins in the present day uh, both wear a t-shirt for the band Black Flag, the logo of which consists of four vertical black bars. I thought that Jordan Peele just liked the band, but again, every single thing in the movie, if it's on the screen, it has meaning. And, and again, at the end, you've got the ambulance that they steal has the number 1111 on top of it. Nyonga and Duke were classmates. Winston Duke is the M'Baku character. I can't remember his name. It's Gabe. I should remember his name because it's my son's name. Who well, I haven't seen for a little bit since my birthday, I think, other than on the phone. So, but he's doing well. Bit of a nightmare apparently tonight for his mother but uh, again I just gotta keep saying it's gonna get better. The filmmakers did not need to do much work on the Santa Cruz boardwalk as many games and rides originals going back as far as the 1910s also indeed there is an underground tunnel system under the boardwalk though it is mostly used for storage and as a shelter in case of any emergency. There's no hall of mirrors as shown in the film on the beach unfortunately there should be now. During the filming the rides were all filled with dummies and CGI was used to create moving people. Well, that's kind of creepy. While the Wilsons are in the Tyler's house, Jason eats a bowl of dry Fruit Loops. This references a scene in Jordan Peele's previous movie, Get Out, in which a character eats Fruit Loops and drinks milk from segregated glasses. Ironically, the name of the Tyler's unhelpful virtual assistant, Ophelia, derives from the Greek Ophelia, meaning help. With the $71 million weekend box office take, it was the highest grossing original horror film opening ever to its release so I guess it made more but it's not original and that's another thing it is an original idea it's an original concept the whole thing is completely standalone and I think that's part of why it's made so much money other than the fact that Jordan Peele's behind it and everyone knows he is just the next big thing uh, which is rare when you've only had one movie behind you I can't see any of his movies ever not going gangbusters I don't think he's going to do a Shyamalan that's my hot take and he's just everything he does is going to just be like the golden goose the fact that the tethered chiefly uses scissors as a weapon is a great representation of the tethered themselves they're two identical pieces bound together to create one whole beautiful I got father on it by the rap hip hop duo Lunas is the song featured in the movie trailer and remixed in several scenes in the movie it was released in May 1995 it was certified a platinum single in October 95 the title is a phrase meaning to pay half of a dime bag with another person uh, so it is about drugs kind of knew that but not really the specifics so there you go shipped to cinemas under the pseudonym Deep Cuts kind of would have been a good title too among Josh Tyler's tattoos are a pair of antlers one on each arm a reference to Jordan Peele's previous movie Get Out I'm not sure what the reference is there but okay in the beginning scene where the Hands Across America commercial is playing, a VHS copy of Chud and the Goonies can be seen. A copy of The Right Stuff is also seen. Chud is about underground creatures 
The Goonies takes place primarily in underground tunnels. The Right Stuff takes place primarily in orbit. So I'm not sure why that was... I mean, I suppose it's the juxtaposition. An early hint that the movie is more about class than race appears in the commercial Hands Across America, a much-hyped 86 event aimed to create awareness about homelessness by forming a human chain from coast to coast. The event stands in for a uh, more general critique of charity, especially celebrity-sponsored charity, as an adequate response to the structural inequality allegorized in us, or US, through the tethered. When the tethered are seen near the end of the film, reforming the human chain, we are asked to hear an ironic echo of the song actually sung during the 1986 event, Michael Jackson's We Are The World. There's two of his songs kind of referenced in there. Hands Across America netted relatively little for the poor owing to tremendous overhead expenses and huge numbers of unpaid pledges. Yeah, what a surprise. The Wilson's toy closet includes the game Guess Who, a classic board game requiring players to match the identical face of the card chosen by the other player. And there's a game upside down on top of that called Magic. So everything means something. The fast food, and you see that's in the film for like a second fast food the family eats is called Copper Pots, a nod to Chester Copper Pot, the legendary treasure hunter in the Goonies, which is referenced many times in the movie. Nicole Ritchie appears at the beginning as a five-year-old because she was actually in the Hands Cross America commercial. At least she started young. The use of the song I Got Five on it appears to resonate with the main theme of the film. It tells of two guys each chipping in $5 to buy a $10 bag of weed, which, like the scissors and the repetition of the number 11, is a combination of two things creating one whole, just like the tethered themselves. I'm curious how many things are going to find where Jordan Peele reads it or it gets put to him and he's just like, yeah, that was absolutely random. Like he had no uh, actual intention of that contributing to the meaning. Like it was just happened to be there and someone found this whole subtext to it, which didn't really exist. It's going to be there. There's no hidden meaning for Gabe's infatuation with the boat. Jordan Peele simply wanted Gabe to have a boat as a status symbol. Yeah, he's all about keeping up with the Joneses, or rather the Tylers? Are they the Tylers? Either way, his friends. Whinges about the car and how you know, his friend bought that just to piss him off, which obviously it did. The rabbits are multiply suggestive. In the opening scene of Cage Lab Animals, which is very Kubrickan, and he loves Stanley Kubrick, it's just this slow pan zoom out from a wall of rabbits in cages uh, with this beautiful music and it's it's very 70s cinema. Later it's implied they race for food for the tethered peels. Many allusions may include Michael Moore's Roger and Me in which a poor woman who breeds rabbits in Flint asks a customer if he wants the rabbit for a pet or meat. Later of Alice in Wonderland and Alice through the looking glass insofar as the movie is fundamentally about class they may also reflect the fears of the hubs that have nots breed like rabbits. The Shining, a clear influence, also features a bizarrely unnerving man with a rabbit head during Wendy's final mad scramble through the hotel. I don't remember the man with the rabbit head, but and knowing the full story now, there's a lot of gaps. Uh, it'll be yeah a lot more interesting to watch it. Peter Nyong'o and Winston Duke starred in Black Panther together. And they went to school together. So it's all pretty... They must be close. Jason wears a Jaws shirt for his trip to the beach. When Jason disappears on the beach to go to the bathroom, there's a point where he begins to slow walk. Over his shoulder, there's a distinct shadow that looks like a shark fin breaching the water. See? I'll have to look for that. Elizabeth Moss and Yaha Abdul-Mateen II previously starred on The Handmaid's Tale. Now, I don't know who 
that is that second name but I'm gonna look now at one of the guys okay, apparently he's in us but I don't really recognize him oh you know what I get it now I'm an idiot it's her father in the 1986 reverse 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 obviously he didn't have any scenes with Elizabeth Moss because she's in the present day and not back in 1986 but okay I think in The Handmaid's Tale he's probably Elizabeth Moss's partner that gets separated I've still got to finish that series hopefully they reunite at some point yeah so that's interesting that there's two 2019 movies in which a VHS copy of the film The Right Stuff appears Captain Marvel's obviously the other one the tailored versions of Kitty and Josh are called Dahlia and Tex Dahlia may refer to the Black Dahlia of the infamous murder case of 1947 the name Tex may refer to Tex Watson was a member of the Manson family who participated in the Tate LaBianca murders. In addition, Kitty was also the nickname Catherine Lutzinger, who was a member of the Manson family. Both the Black Dahlia and Kitty's actress share a similar first name, even though they are spelled differently. Elizabeth and Elizabeth with an S. Furthering the themes of duality found throughout the film, don't actually have the same name, the kids. The title Us was announced May 2018. The film was the opening night premiere for the 2019 South by Southwest Film Festival. That's cool. Yahar Abdul-Mateen and Anna Diop both appeared in DC comic productions. Yahar, I don't know if I'm saying it right, plays Black Manta in Aquaman and Anna portrays Starfire in Titans. Oh, okay. Anna Diop, which one was that? Well, she, she wasn't the daughter. She's, yeah, she's the mother in the beginning. All right, cool. Partly filmed in Santa Cruz, yeah, yeah, the, the son's name Jason is referenced to Friday the 13th villain Jason, who also wears a mask. When the Peter appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert to promote the film, she was wearing scary feline contact lenses to better reflect the eerie nature of her character. Now that's commitment. After her father wins a boardwalk game, Adelaide selects the Michael Jackson Thriller t-shirt as her prize. She also asked for number 11. As a child, Corey Feldman was once a member of Jack Jackson's close friendship circle. He was also one of the stars of both The Lost Boys and The Goonies. When the song I Got Five on it comes on in the car, it does so at the moment Eddie Murphy is mentioned in the lyrics. This could be another possible nod to the doppelganger theme, as Murphy is known for playing several roles at once in his film. Now that's a stretch, but okay. I'm not, I don't think that's why they started at that point. But uh, And I think it's interesting that she was clicking to get the son interested in the song and she was way out of tune which reflects that she doesn't have a soul. When Gabe and Zora appear around the ambulance there is another 11 reference seen in the 911 on the side and later yeah you can see that on the ambulance. The number 11 11 Adelaide's shirt progressively becomes stained red slowly revealing her true origin. The word on Zora's hoodie means rabbit in Vietnamese the man holding the Jeremiah 11.11 sign was the first to be attacked by his doppelganger. Yeah, I thought about that. The guy jumped the gun there. Because I assume they're all supposed to start at 11 at night. He's seen in the beginning of the movie being put in the back of an ambulance. Later, Jason sees the doppelganger on the beach with blood on his hand and his arms outstretched. The first person in the line waiting for the others to join hand. You can also see his red pants sticking out of the bottom of his jacket. The Thriller t-shirt won by her father foreshadows the ending. Both the film and the music video conclude with a question in regard to the identity of the main protagonist, punctuated with an ominously suggestive smile. So there you go, that's what I was trying to say 
so clumsily earlier. The initial cut did not include the haunting remixed instrumental version of Up 5 on it. The dark version of the song was originally only cut for the film's trailer. Peels responded very positively, thus encouraging Peel to insert it into the film's final showdown between Adelaide and Red. And boy, is it a good thing he did that because it plays really well. Uh, it took me a second to recognise it because it's using like a, an orchestra. But yeah, I'm never going to hear I Got Five on it the same way again. By the end of the film, each member of the Wilson family has killed their own respective counterparts. Lupita based the voice of protagonist Adelaide's doppelganger on a neurological disorder called spasmodic dysphoria. I think it was one of the other comments where it mentioned the president that had it, or Senator Robert F. Kennedy. She was inspired to do so after reading a line in the script which stated that she had not used her voice in many years. So it maybe doesn't have too much to do with being strangled as a kid. You'd think that would heal up over 20 or 30 years. The Tyler twins appear to be a reference in the to the Grady twins in The Shining. During the beach scene, their posture is similar when standing over Zora. Instead of saying, come and play with us, they make fun of Jason playing in the sand. Also, when we see their bloody corpses looking down the elevated hallway, they're lying in similar positions to the Grady twins' murder flashbacks. How does he do that? So many freaking references. When the Wilson family visits the beach, they're shown in a bird's eye view shot walking across the sand with long shadows that resemble the number 1111. The Bible verse, although not all the tethered are named in the movie, in the credits every tethered is given a name designated in red. During the scene in the psychologist's office, young Adelaide is shown organising the toy animals in a straight line in the sandpit, foreshadowing Red's plan to have the tethered stand hand in hand across America, beginning at the beach. The last toy animal Adelaide places into the line is a white rabbit, since the sort of thing I would only pick up on a second viewing. When Red is detailing her past encounter with Adelaide near the end of the film, she mentions how she believed God brought them together. This foreshadows the truth that Red is actually the real Adelaide, as the real version would have grown up learning about God, whereas the tethered, who don't even know how to speak, more likely wouldn't even comprehend the concept of God. During the scene where Jason gets lost on the beach, many of the camera shots directly reference those used by Spielberg in Jaws during similar beach scenes. Jason is even wearing a Jaws shirt, further underlining Jordan Peele's reverence to a classic film and many others. Red is the only tethered that speaks English, possibly due to the fact that she's the real Adelaide and has learned to speak before being trapped. Adelaide never eats meat or drinks anything beside water. In the scene where her family is eating fast food, she's eating strawberries and drinking water. Later, Kitty offers her wine and she says she's fine with water. I don't really know why. I suppose growing up with a certain diet of just rabbit and water, that's uh, what you just get used to. Yeah, when she's lying on the couch, she sees a spider on the table crawling past a larger toy spider. This image foreshadows the doppelganger theme in the movie. At the beginning of the film, when Zora locks Jason in the closet, there's a board game in the back called Monster Trap, foreshadowing where Jason would trap his doppelganger later in the film. And that's it. You might check the goose, because it is a couple there, and it's just uh, continuity stuff. Well, there you go. Okay, that, that's a bit of a goof that's worth mentioning. The VHS tape of Chud, seen in the opening, is the Star Maker release from 93, and the opening is set in 1986. So it's not that the movie came out later, it's just that particular VHS release. That's not really a big deal. I usually try and read out the Rotten Tomato quotes, but I'm okay with what I've done so far. It's already half an hour in. I did have one article I wanted to read, and it was on a completely different topic. It's all about this guy named Lawrence Anthony, and he was known as the Elephant Whisperer. He passed away a couple of years ago, 
and he basically helped run a nature reserve in South Africa and he was so close to the elephants that when he died a herd of elephants arrived at his house to mourn him. Although the elephants were not alerted to the event they travelled to his house and stood around for two days and then dispersed. That was on the Reddit Today I Learned. First comment is quite interesting that's by someone who actually went to the reserve named Thula Thula. That's a pretty cool name for a wildlife park. Seeing Anthony interact with the elephants was quite spectacular. One time he picked the three of us up on our way back from a drive. On the road to where we were staying, we came across a female blocking the road while her calf played in the bush nearby. Anthony hopped out and literally spoke with her as you would a friend. You could see the tension melt away in this giant mama. She greeted him with her trunk. He encouraged us to leave the safety of the vehicle and she kind of just observed us while the baby did mock charges and acted all tough. It was a pretty amazing moment for us, but just another day in this guy's life. It's worth noting that all the animals that live at Thula are wild and it isn't a petting zoo. The herd is composed of a core of problem elephants that were previously scheduled for destruction due to what were deemed antisocial or dangerous patterns of behaviour exhibited at other game parks and reserves. Anthony and the staff at Thula do an amazing job even after his death. The second time I went there was post-Anthony. His wife and many of the people who work there echoed the story of the herd's visit. They're amazing, beautiful animals we barely begin to understand them. Yeah, they can communicate for thousands of miles with that low-frequency trumpeting. Yeah, they're, they're pretty complex creatures. They've got that amazing memory, of course, and yeah, very complex social structures, much like whales and dolphins. Someone says here, they like the mobility and agility of the human of the same mass. They're like this little rumbling, stumbling, mid-sized drunk person on all fours. Just And then there's an article about Mute, a movie I watched with Paul Rudd of all people it's just a really weird like B-grade cyberpunk thriller with a massive twist at the end which now I've spoiled it because you'll be looking for it it was interesting it wasn't a 10 out of 10 it was very much what you would call speculative fiction but logically could happen there's a lot of stuff that goes unexplained but to me it was a world that could exist the problem for me is I like my sci-fi or fantasy I don't know what you would put category you would put lost in I mean, sorry, us. Maybe it's speculative fiction slash horror. But it was too far away from logistically, I think, anything could, that could actually happen. There was too many questions, like Jeremy Jones mentioned, about how did they have kids that looked just like those kids at exactly the same time. They were tethered and doing a lot of the same things as the originals, but I think that was pushing it. I mean, you could clone someone using DNA, but how do you get those clones to then have children exactly the same as the originals yeah again people that like that sort of thing don't worry about the details just love the concept and go with it uh, for me i get stuck on things like that and i'm constantly worrying about how that actually could have gone down and that did impair my enjoyment of it a little bit but i still respect the ride that it was the mastery of his craft that he clearly displays so well Jordan Peele I can't wait for more of his work if that's only his second film imagine what we've got coming down the line in, in say 10 or 20 years uh, he's got a long very illustrious a career, a career in, ahead of him and uh, yeah it's, it's just going to keep on growing uh, in terms of quality compelling stories and um, i got a feeling there's not going to be a lot of sequels it's just going to be one amazing new concept after another and hopefully he can get a little bit more across unrealistic 
logistics of it for people like me and you can go yeah okay that's an amazing beautiful unique idea and it probably could happen rather than this where it was like yeah I really don't think that that's possible because the food thing there's no way I don't care how many rabbits you got down there they're not going to make it that long how do they communicate but anyway that's uh, still a beautiful film and I'll give it a solid 8.7 out of 10 I mean you've already seen it if you haven't and you still listen to this then shame on you but uh, go watch it anyway so that's a solid 60 for this week third thankfully all the April Fool's posts will slowly stop popping up on Facebook I hate it because you get the ones here in Australia and then for the next two days you're getting them from the rest of the world and you just can't believe a thing I mean it's bad enough on the internet already and then you get two or three days of just nonsense there were some funny commercials and stuff like that like a convertible Toyota Hi-Ace with the pie warmer generally there was a lot of annoying announcements of cancellations or like they're talking about making Akira in LA with Leonardo DiCaprio right now and Waita Taikiki directing it it's got to be an April Fool but anyway that's all I've got have a solid week peace out (laughs) 